Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Popcorn and Nerds, your favorite pop culture TV movie junkie podcast ever of all time. Yeah. Uh, my name is Taylor D. Adams, I am with Scrap Productions, and here, staring at me with those big beautiful eyes of his, Mark Goings of Spider's Corner. Hi Mark. Hey Taylor, how's it going? I'm good man, I'm good. Um, today we are going to be giving a full spoiler filled review of Steven Spielberg's Ready Player One, so we'll get into that a little later in the podcast um a quick shout out to we got another rating on itunes mark and it was it was very nice um it was from our but our buddy i'm just gonna call everybody who reviews our stuff our buddy yeah, you're our friends know. now yeah you're our friends now for sure uh he goes by the name of Swordizzle, and he says definitely worth the sub and then the less than three sign which equates to a heart yes. so for shizzle <laughs> yeah so that was nice um and you guys if you like what you hear can rate us uh, wherever you subscribe to your podcast and leave us a review because those little reviews are little love kernels that we appreciate <laughs> throughout the day. Um, Do we, right. uh, are, we, are, we, are we live on Spotify yet? I haven't, I haven't heard that. anything. I emailed yeah. them a long time ago and haven't yeah. heard a damn thing. They don't seem great about that. No. But, but even, we though, are even on... though they're like, Spotify has podcasts now. Yeah. All right. Well, they have one less because they don't have ours. Yeah. Uh, anyway... Um, let's get right into it, and let's talk uh, our movie snack of the day. And Mark, I'll let you take it away. Well, I felt that uh, since we were reviewing Ready Player One today, it would be fitting to have an equally nerdy, nostalgic snack, but still uh, with an adult twist to it. So we are drinking Not Your Father's Root Beer, because root beer is the nerd's drink of choice. Uh, <laughs> And then we're because also because Surge wasn't available. <laughs> they do have the Nacho Father's Mountain soda, but I didn't think Taylor would drink that if I brought that. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I like root beer, so having an adult root beer is very much appreciated. Yes, I figured you would like that. And then uh, <laughs> we're also eating pizza rolls because because pizza rolls. But you're never too old for pizza rolls. No, Let's never. And I had pizza for dinner. I feel like such a fatty right now. <laughs> I went to the gym too. I was feeling good. And then Mark came over and bought this diabetes and heart well, disease. Well, you earned it, Taylor. Okay. Well, let's eat one. Yeah, because they've been sitting here and smelling and delicious. They, and they explode whenever you cook them. Yes. But now, they're not magma because we cooked them and we're preparing for the podcast. So we should be good and safe to not melt our mouths. Yeah, they're nice and warm. Actually, I had a question for you, Mark. What is your go-to movie snack? Like I know you don't buy concessions in the theater, but when you sneak in, hell expensive. Yeah, when you sneak in concessions, what are you sneaking in? Depends on what I'm feeling that particular day. I run the gamut on movie snacks. It's generally things you can find in concession, but just get them for cheaper elsewhere. If you could just name one snack, to be great. So I'm trying to get out of you, <laughs> Jesus. Um. I like Swedish fish. I know we had those last night for the movie. Yeah, that's not going to box my Swedish fish. They were old. <laughs> well, you murdered them like before the movie even started. Well, it doesn't take that. It's 20 minutes before the movie starts. Yeah. like you're like previews. You're like, here, Mark, you want one? I was like, yeah, sure. And, and I had them all. And I had one. And then I, next I thing I know, you're like, you one. you're like crinkling the, the, pack, the they bag were, up. They were mine, and I offered you one. They were, and I appreciate that. Yeah. But one Swedish fish does not a snack make. Yeah, I often sneak in Swedish fish. Swedish fish is a go-to for me. Junior mints. Junior mints are highly solid. Highly underrated candy for me. I love junior mints. But 
Like, I, I mean, Skittles, Starbursts. No. I'll do like... I didn't do it for me. I'll do any of those. Little airhead bites. You'll just do candy. Yeah, basically. If it's chocolate, I'm, I'm going to down it. Yeah. Chocolate's just one of my weaknesses. Reese's Pieces. Yeah, those are good too. Do appreciate it. Snow caps. Oh, uh, I love snow caps, dude. They're so fun. I'll eat them, but that's not... I'm, I don't think I've ever been like... No, I really want some snow caps right now. That's not <laughs> you a haven't, thing. You haven't lived. I guess not. Okay, well, that was fun. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's get into just kind of some stuff we saw or listened to or heard about uh, this week. One of the, I guess, uh, big piece of news for uh, TV fans, especially the CW. That's a small portion of you. However, uh, Jane the Virgin and uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend were renewed for yet another season, as well as some of the shows, including Black Lightning, I think was on that uh, renewal as well. So shout out to all those creators doing their thing. It's really cool to see nice. those shows uh, keep living on because they're doing they're doing some good stuff over there. I mean, it's it's weird too because I think we talked about this on a couple episodes ago. But you have Jane the Virgin and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend airing on the Friday night death slot. Like that's where shows go to die, and they've been there I think for two or three years, and they keep bringing it back. So. Yeah. Which that's, I'm, that's good. I'm glad because Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is solid. Yes. Um, and I wonder, like, are they only taking into account with the renewals the actual air times or are they, like, the popularity on Netflix as well? Because they come to Netflix, like, a week after the finale mm-hmm. uh, with the contract that Netflix has with the CW. I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit of both. I'm not sure. But um, regardless, it's nice to be hearing that those shows... Uh, will be coming back. Um, For shizzle. <laughs> Mark, other than uh, Ready Player One, what else did you uh, watch or play this week? Shooting pizza roll, one second. Okay, I'll wait. <laughs> Cue the Jeopardy theme. Hmm. Well, Mark, I uh, I watched... <laughs> I, <laughs> I, uh, me and Nicole uh, finished up uh, season three of Love um, with uh, Paul Rust and Gillian Jacobs. Uh, Judd Apatow kind of helmed uh, series if you guys haven't checked it out it's pretty good um, it was actually a really good third season third and final season the ending was kind of a but I mean <laughs> what I heard about I wasn't that like disappointed it's just kind of like oh this is okay what I heard That's about right. that show is that like normally when uh, comedies and romantic comedies are depicting relationships they're at like the the beginning where everything's new and exciting and then things go wrong there at the beginning or like at the end when it's like horribly messy and going wrong and there's a breakup but they said this one's kind of like in that middle section where things are a little different and you're no, not, it you're is. not the, I mean, the whole show is about how a relationship happens and evolves and yeah. both the terrible and the great um, but it just ends it ends in a very uplifting way but but in kind of like a very monotone uplifting way it's kind of hard to explain um Without you know spoiling the whole damn thing. Yeah. Um, I also checked out. I've only the new Netflix series Rapture, uh, six part um, mini series documentary series. Oh. Hip hop culture. Yeah, Logic is in artists. that. Yep, Logic. I think it's one of the first episodes. I only watched one episode, and one episode in particular I was very interested in is um, featuring an artist uh, named uh, Rhapsody, hmm. and she is actually from North Carolina, and oh, she went to nice. uh, she went to NC State. And um, she got hooked up with uh, Ninth Wonder, big hip hop producer in the Durham area. Um, and I mean, I say Durham area because he's based in there, but the dude is global. And it was a really cool story and uplifting too. So they spend like a good section 
on NC State's campus, and she used to be part of this group called Cooley High, who released an album the same day that her episode came out, and that was really cool. Oh, that is cool. And I've seen Cooley High a couple of times, um, and they actually, or one of their members follows Scrapped on Instagram, so small victories. So you um, made but that it. Was a really, you made it. Yeah, I made it. That, and uh, oh, shout out to Gumby's Pizza, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> our old college, college haunt when we were at uh, NC State, that always deliver the biggest massive thing of pokey sticks and for those of you guys who don't know think cheesy bread but on crack and yeah, they they liked one of they liked our one of our posts on instagram so i thought that was it was awesome it was dope i, I mean was a big fan just to put it out there you don't have to do anything with it but we're not above selling out if you want to get on this gravy train early and uh you know send us some pokey sticks if gumby's if you want to be an an, an official or an unofficial sponsor of popcorn and nerds just send us some pokey sticks every Tuesday, baby. And we will shout you out every time. Yeah, no doubt about that. We will sell out. If anybody like local chocolatiers, yeah, send your shit over. We'll eat it and we'll love it. Even if it's terrible, we'll probably say we like it anyway. Don't um, forget, every Tuesday at Gummies, so it sticks to me Tuesdays. Like, that's we, right. we, we got you. We'll do a reader. Yeah, we'll, do, we'll, we'll sell out that bad. Um, but anyway, that episode of Rapture was really cool. Um, I haven't checked out any other episodes yet, but I recommend that everybody do take a look at that and i especially for those of you who don't like hip-hop music for those of you who don't like rap music watch this series because it goes into the art form of it and there's a lot of old people that are gonna be like art form <laughs> it's it's okay like it's good music it's different yeah but it's good music and you guys should really open your doors to stuff like that um, just quickly, another show I watched, uh, Collateral, also on Netflix, a four-part limited series, um, kind of a detective story. Uh, it's a UK, UK, UK show, um, a detective story uh, involving some story threads of immigration and stuff like that. Uh, incredibly... So not Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx. No. Uh, yeah, I wish it was that. That movie was great. <laughs> that was a good movie. Michael Mann. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, and th that show was, was incredibly underwhelming. Um, so I'll say, miss me with that. Um, <laughs> and then there's a new show that came out a couple weeks ago, and I haven't really heard anything positive or negative about it, so I decided to check it out. It's a show called Requiem. And so far, it is this, like, it is like this, uh, a mystery series um that also has very creepy paranormal elements to it like I, I would almost say it's along the same lines of this i think i've talked about this earlier about this like neo noir kind of with the scandinavian influence where there's just like dark shit happening and you don't know who's responsible it's a big whodunit but it's it portrays itself as a horror series and i'm only three episodes in but it's and I usually end up watching them at night, and I have to watch something else before I fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but yeah, that's pretty good. Um, Mark, what a... Okay, you're done with the pizza rolls? Yeah, I am. Okay, I was right, about to grab another one because you were talking, but uh, I'll wait. <laughs> but I'm done now, I know. so I'll let you talk. Um, so, I didn't watch... I guess not watched a whole lot. I've uh, been keeping up with some normal like anime series that are long-running. Uh, Dragon Ball Super... For any of the Dragon Ball Z fans out there, it's pretty good. I uh, heard I heard it was bananas. It is the finale or whatever. That I'm not there yet because the uh, I'm watching the English dub because those are the voices I grew up with on mm. uh, back in Toonami. Mm. Um, 
So I know there's some people who there's very strong feelings on subs versus dubs when it comes to anime. Right. Uh, but there are a select few that I do prefer the the dubs. Um, and so I'm watching that. So I'm not very far into it. I guess that we're on episode 50 something. And I guess 131 was the finale. Jesus. Uh, so the Japanese episodes are way ahead and done obviously now. Yeah. Um, but that's been a lot of fun so far. Uh, they've There's been a good amount of fan service in there bringing stuff back. Uh, throwbacks to the old Dragon Ball Z series, so it's been it's been good. Um, but as far as I guess Netflix stuff goes, I did finally start picking up the Santa Clarita Diet. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> and it is ridiculous and funny. Uh, I guess I'm only a handful of episodes in now. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting that the hijinks they get into, and Timothy Oliphant I think is the the best part of the show so far. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if that well, changes. He, no, he's he's awesome, but also the way that him and Drew Barrymore play off each other is priceless. Yeah, it's it, so good. It works really well, uh, and so I've been enjoying that. Like, I, I finished uh, Devil Man Crybaby and a couple other things last week, and um, the trailer started playing auto for uh, Santa Clarita Diet, and I was just like laughing during the trailer. And so I was like, okay. I was like, Taylor mentioned it, and they're short episodes. I'll give it a shot. Uh, but it, it, it's it's fun. Um, oh, yeah, Nathan Fillion was in the trailer, too. So I was like, what? Nathan Fillion? Yeah, yeah, he's early in there. Yeah. Uh, so it's been it's been good so far. I need to watch more of that, though. Uh, yeah, that's kind of what I've been watching, doing. Okay, cool. Uh, any video game news or anything like that? Um... Not that I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, people are pissed about Sea of Thieves because they're uh, they're likening it to No Man's Sky. One of my friends actually called it No Man's Sea. Ha. Alan. <laughs> uh, oh damn! What call calling, called calling out, out people when they're with their real names? Called out. Um, and so insert last <laughs> name here. <laughs> yeah. I like. I don't think that's a fair comparison. Like, I understand why people are trying to make it, but the way that No Man's Sky shook out and that whole debacle with its launch uh, and flop, and then it's apparently making a comeback now with a lot of content that's been released since launch. But Sea of Thieves never kind of painted itself in that way, uh, and it has always kind of been what it's been. And so, like, the content is there, and we were talking to one of our friends at brunch, uh, Evan, we'll throw out more, more, more names, uh, who's been enjoying it immensely so far. And his thing was that, like, the experiences with crewmates and with, like, the random people you run into is largely the content right now. Um, as you're pr- progressing through to become a pirate legend, and then the new stuff will come out. But uh, that's kind of what I had mentioned when I was playing the beta, like... Playing with people and having that shared experience was a lot of fun. Uh, just the shenanigans you get into. And so, I don't think it's a fair comparison. I think people are, are big babies uh, about <laughs> a lot of this stuff. Uh, and it's easy to jump on the hype or hate trains uh, that the internet starts out. So, it, it is what it is. And people are going to do that uh, regardless of my feelings on it. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not here to stop it. You, you do you. But uh, I, I disagree, and I do think that Sea of Thieves is worth picking up uh, if you've got some people to play with, or if you trust randos, which is hit or miss. I will admit that. So that's really all I had for for gaming news. Uh, I feel like 
Like every time I ask you about gaming news, you're like, "Oh, Sea of Thieves." Yeah, well, that's been the big thing here recently. Uh, I guess been, the, I think you've talk, we've had seven episodes of this podcast, and I think you've mentioned them in at least six of them. Probably a good bit, yeah. Well, because the beta was out when we were around when we were starting this, and then leading up to that, the release, and then it actually came out, and now people are actually dealing with it and playing it. Um, so it's just it's interesting, and it's going to evolve, and it's going to be a thing, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't feel like there, like, for me personally, there's a whole lot of other gaming news going on. I know God of War's coming out this month, Nintendo Labo, stuff like that, which we talked about last week as well, um, which that'll probably take my mind off Sea of Thieves for a bit, but, uh, but yeah. Okay, cool. Um, all right, well, for those of you guys who are just tuning in, uh, we're not live. Why the fuck are people tuning in in the middle of this? <laughs> What's wrong with me? I don't know, man. It's, it's one of those things that it's like, that seems like the right thing to say yeah, right yeah. now. It seems like something I should say that is completely non-antiquated. Yeah. Uh. If, you're tu- if you're tuning in right now, by that he means fast-forwarding to this part of the show. Yeah. Okay, there, there well, you go. I well got you. now we're going to talk about Ready Player One. Okay, so Mark, here comes the trailer, okay? Okay, trailer. Right. And play. My name's Wade Watts. My dad picked that name because it sounded like a superhero's alter ego like Peter Parker or Bruce Banner. But he died when I was a kid, my mom too. And I ended up here. Sitting here in my tiny corner of nowhere. There's nowhere left to go. Nowhere. Except the Oasis. virtual universe. People come to the Oasis for all the things they can do. But they stay because of all the things they can be. Can you feel this? Um, yeah. It's the only place that feels like I mean anything. The Oasis was the brainchild of James Halliday. Hello, if you're watching this, I'm dead. I created a hidden object, an Easter egg. The first person to find the egg will inherit half a trillion dollars and total control of the Oasis itself. Ready Player One, for people who don't know, uh, is based on a book by the author Ernest Cline, who also helped write the screenplay for this movie. Uh, made some edits, I guess, based on feedback he had received from the book uh, and things of that nature. And just he was pretty involved in the process and then directed by Steven Spielberg. And so the synopsis is when the creator of a virtual reality world called the Oasis dies, he releases a video in which he challenges all Oasis users to find his Easter egg, which will give the finder his fortune. And so on the back of the book... That's a spoiler right there. That's very gender specific. <laughs> No, it means his isn't his own fortune. Yeah, his own fortune. Yeah, I got it. Uh, on the back of the book, the way it's described is Willy Wonka meets the Matrix. Uh, which, it's that's a good description, I think. Yeah, it's it's not it's not inaccurate. <laughs> I think more so for the book than the movie. Okay. Because uh, there were a lot of differences between the two. Um, but that's why, like, when I saw that Ernest Klein was actually, he did the screenplay, uh, it was interesting, like, some of the changes that he made. And I guess that he, someone else worked on the screenplay with him. It wasn't just him. I forget the name. Zach Penn. Okay. 
It's like I couldn't remember the other name from the credits. Um, but oh, yeah, Zach Ben. Uh, you know, oh, oh, junk. I had no idea he. Oh, he was the creator. He was the creator of Alphas, and a very underrated show that didn't last that long on Sci-Fi. It was awesome. Um, but yeah, a lot of Marvel in his in his wheelhouse. Yeah, like a lot of Marvel. Oh, jeez, yeah, like a like, lot of Marvel. Like all the Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, Last Action Hero. Yeah, yeah. Matthew loved that movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean, his work goes back to... Uh, he got the story credit for X-Men 2. Um, wrote a, a, a Electra. Uh, he got some video... Uh, some written by credit for X-Men The Last Stand. Um, got uh, some video Incredible game credits Hulk. in there. Avengers gets a story credit. Uh, anyway, so this guy has very action-heavy um, writing credits. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, like I said, that uh, that description I think works, uh, and that and that is the premise. Like, except Willy Wonka didn't die, but like you're in this virtual reality world where that's where people go to escape, and not even just to escape. That's where people go to work. That's where they go to play. That's where they go to do everything, pretty much. Besides, eat, use the bath, uh, bathroom, sleep. Uh, and so, yeah, they put they put on the VR headset and they just go. Yeah, and so you have an avatar that represents you. You go in, uh, and in the book they kind of dive into it a bit more, where that's like people's livings are made in the Oasis too. Like jobs are done there. Uh, they talk about it a little bit at the beginning of the movie where they're talking about people losing their shit when they die, and like they call it literally losing their shit. And the one guy tries to kill himself by jumping out of the window when his character dies. Um, so it's it's an intense thing, and it's kind of like, I mean, potentially where things go, uh, if like VR continues to take off and people want that escape, and they go and have this experience where they can be whoever they want, do whatever they want. Um, I mean, there's I guess there's a lot of undertones in that kind of like with uh, altered carbon that we watched, right. but to a, a more brutal I guess extreme where when people are like functionally immortal like what do they do with that uh, and this is much less that because people still die uh, but like you can have these alternate lives and personas uh, and just do whatever you want so um, I guess high level thoughts on it uh, I enjoyed it it's fun I uh, did not have high expectations going into it because I had not heard very many good things about it uh, like towards when we were getting ready to go see it, I started to hear a few good things trickle out. Um, I wouldn't call this a masterpiece or anything by any means, but I do think it's enjoyable. Uh, and I think it's, I think it's worth a watch if you're a fan of pop culture references and just a decent mo- like story movie. Taylor, what did you think? Uh. We, I had this conversation with him uh, before we started actually recording where we went and saw a very late showing uh, last night and when the movie ended I wasn't sure if he was just tired or just very like nonplussed with the whole thing so I guess I'm about to find out my if I had to write an article my tagline or headline uh, would be this Ready Player One is an ode to nerddom with no substance that is my analysis of this. I there are there are there were cool moments that were fun to watch. I was very bored with the story. Um, 
I was not very impressed with any of the characters. <laughs> uh, I I start I like was while I was watching I was like appreciating all the references and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm like this movie is all it is is references. There's no. And I didn't find myself rooting for anyone either. Like, there's obvious who the protagonist and the antagonist are, but I'm just like, okay. I, I, I had no reason to root for any, any, of these, any of these characters in the story. Um, we'll get a little bit more into spoilers as far as how I thought the story worked. Um, but I was... Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think about it, I think... I mean, once we got through a half hour of exposition... Um, I was like, okay, all right, now we're starting to do stuff. And then they would fast forward. I don't know. I, we'll get more into it, like I said, but I felt like they spent a shit ton of time on exposition and then they would like fast forward through like act one of us of an important story. And then the next thing they would do was one player would say player or player actor character would say character a would say something to character B and then character C would find out about it, and then character C would tell character D. And I'm just like, we are, we don't need the reiteration. There's a lot of reiteration of information through different people in this movie, and I'm like, we oh, like, we're an audience. Like, we're the ones that are watching this movie. You don't need to say the same. The fact that someone feels this certain way three to four times in order for us to get it. Um, I I've seen articles that say this is the worst Steven Spielberg movie Ooh. of all time. I don't know if I would go to say that because I haven't seen all the Steven Spielberg movies, um, especially ones that have come out within the past five years. Um, now, I didn't leave it thinking I wasted ten dollars. Like, don't get me wrong, like it was fine, but I also said Mute was fine. I enjoyed Mute more than this movie. Interesting, and just because, just from that thing of that I talked about earlier about references, it was such a reference crutch, and I, I, that's all it was. Like you're watching this movie, and you're like, "This is not a spoiler." But you're watching this movie, and you're like, "Oh look, it's Battletoads. Oh hey, look, this is the Halo guys are over there. Oh look, it's Batman." Like, like who the like? That was me talking to during the movie. Except I know they're not called Halo guys; they're Spartans. But well, I know that, but I couldn't think of the name off the top of my head. But I knew they were from Halo. <laughs> Yeah, and I was recognizing all that stuff too. I was like, "Oh yeah," but I wasn't like, <laughs> "Look, look, look, look at the thing," because I felt like that's what this movie was. Was like, for people to come in and be like, "Look, look, look at," and people are gonna come like they're, they spectacle. want people to watch this movie over and over again to try and find, find all the Easter yeah, eggs. And I'm like, that's a fucking waste of money. It uh, it definitely is very laden with references to that kind of stuff. And some of that is related, obviously, to the book. Uh, some of it related to the story. Um, but I don't think that lessens it. I think that's a cool thing that all that stuff is in there. But I guess also coming into it, knowing what I had from the book, like I had, I guess, more exposition around these characters and like who they were, their motivations, because it's obviously more fleshed out in the book. It always will be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had more of an attachment. I, feel like I guess we watch this based on a book. We should maybe not read the book at all. Well, <laughs> it's too late. Because we already... did with Annihilation, that was like not even close. Yeah. And uh, so it seems like the people who... Well, you you liked Annihilation. I did. And I thought it was okay. Yeah. And you read the book and I didn't. Mm. And then now we're kind Which, of yeah, fl- but flip-flopped had, on that. But I yeah, read the book had, yeah. and, and I watched this movie. Just with that instant, yeah. And so I thought it was good. Um, but yeah, I, I, 
it is spectacle. Uh, it is, and that's kind of what it is. Uh, it, it's pop culture contained in this form because it's an Easter egg hunt through someone who is very involved in that kind of growth with the pop culture and it became a thing and then the power of nostalgia uh partially you know from the writer and then also imbued into these characters like paying tribute to that over the years uh all the little references kind of move the story along and then in the book more so there's a lot more references in the book uh things that were left out for various reasons in the movie uh time constraints and since steven spielberg directed this he was very heavily featured in the book and when they announced that he was going to be directing it he said he didn't want it to be like very self-congratulatory like look at how great i am all these things yeah. all these references to my works that was I'm, that was smart and i'm directing it so so that was good i guess that he did that and a part of the work with ernest klein to change the screenplay i guess a bit uh and make some changes maybe stemmed from that but um yeah i mean i guess is it is it spoiler time? Uh, that's kind of, we've kind of started easing that way anyway. Yeah, yeah we have. Um, just a quick overall thing. I'm not trying to like hate on. Whatever. You just I, want to take a giant shit on it some more, Taylor? What, before we move on to the spoilers? You said that I didn't. I just, it's what, this was toward a uh, certain subset of moviegoers that I am not a part of. Correct. People who just enjoy fun. Even when I do shit on something, I'm like, all right. Pull back, pull back, Adams. Like, <laughs> there's, you know, maybe this movie just wasn't for you. Not everything needs to be Citizen Kane. You're, you're right. It doesn't have to. I thought Citizen Kane was okay. <laughs> Not everything needs to be snakes on a plane. <laughs> you bite your fucking tongue. Snakes on a plane is goddamn genius. See, now we have some qualifiers for all of you listening on where Taylor's. Enough is enough. Let's where... move on to spoilers. <laughs> So where do you want to dive in? I'll, I'll just... Before we even see an image on screen, before the first frame of the movie, of the visuals actually actually plays, before we see any characters on screen, before we see any setting, and I hear Jump by Van Halen, I'm like, ah, oh, crap. <laughs> what? Like, I don't... You know, I, I like Van Halen. That's fine. But I was like, oh, this is going to be two hours of like 80s references yeah i feel like that's if you i guess you were but if that is the that is like the first thing i hear i'm that's it like and it was true like the whole time it it's just like i said earlier it's just all references like there i didn't root for any of the characters i thought there was no story i thought everything was like mad convenient or slightly confusing now confusing you can like you can correct me if i just don't understand something but I just, I, from that very moment, I was like, oh, crap, this is going to be like, oh, look, they put this reference in this movie. Well, again, like, the references are what powered the whole Easter egg hunt. I, um, I, under, I understand this. They changed it, I guess, from the book, and the references were less about pop culture and more about the creator himself. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was less about James Halliday mm. in the books, more about, like, his thoughts and his like favorite games, movies, whatever, etc. Right. Uh, and this one, they've tried to make it more about oh, he loved this woman, 
who ended up marrying his friend and he never like made that first move and regretted it forever. And so that also shifted the balance of those references being useful to those references being just in your face references. Mm -hmm. And so I guess to a degree, yes, in this movie, like it is very in your face about it and they are partially useful, I guess, uh, moving the story forward in the movie less so than they were in the book. Uh, but I think they were still useful at least a little bit, uh, getting to know the characters and their background and kind of who they are, why they are the way they are. Mm. I, okay. <laughs> I, uh, okay, so let me, all right, here's a couple things I liked, all right? I thought it was the, any, any action sequence was really fun to watch. I did enjoy that. I thought they were very well done. Um, visual effects were fantastic, you know. Yeah, all I, the CG. Yeah, and then, you know, it's very, you know, they took the basic rules of video games themselves and applied it to a larger world, which I thought was cool, you know. Um, I... That might have been it. No, <laughs> I, I don't want to say that. I, uh, but you did say I that. I thought it was a cool, um, or not cool, because it was actually kind of sad. I just It's almost this... Um, this trend of larger corporate entities um, trying to cash in on nerd things, yeah. you know? And I, I could have... My mic just fell. What's happening? Technical difficulties. We'll be right back. And I could, appre I could appreciate that. Like, I, I got that. I understood that. Um, well, I it's thought... not even just, like, corporations, like, appropriating, like, nerd culture, but, like... A resource, something that has become a resource and taking control of it to the point where like, yeah, they were killing people for it. Spoilers. We're in the spoilers. Um, and where they were talking about like, yeah, we can use up to 80% of the person's viewport for ads before they experience motion sickness. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so like taking... Before they have to upgrade. <laughs> yeah. Taking something that everyone has become like enamored with that they love that is like ubiquitous at some point where everyone is using it and they're using it for economic means mm -hmm. eventually people are going to want to try and control that um yeah. and so yeah like that's not unrealistic yeah no and i i appreciated what they were trying to do with that um i never thought i would uh say this out loud or i don't think anybody has ever said this but i was really glad tj miller showed up in this movie <laughs> Uh, he showed yeah. up as IROC, and I was like, he started talking. I was like, ah, yeah, that's TJ Miller. And he had like two words out of his mouth. Today. He might have like... been. He might have been the best part of this movie for me, just because every time he was on screen, I was laughing, and that was that was cool enough. Now, no, okay. So for me, once you get past the thirty minutes of exposition, <laughs> they have to explain the world. No, I understand that, but I don't need half an hour explaining this world, especially when your main uh, expository uh, vehicle is narrator yeah his first person i'm like ah, all right there's there, there are definitely more graceful ways to incorporate the rules into this whole thing um so once we got into the the first race or whatever i was like yeah that's cool like it was fun it was a cool race to watch it was a lot of fun um oh look king kong's in it you know yeah that should happen um the way that he discovered the answer to that first clue, or like how to how to finish the race, 
That was real quick. Like you said, I've been trying this for a while, and then all of a sudden he goes, or not, he hasn't all of a sudden been going to the archive. Yeah, he's so, been going forever. They, yeah, he's been going they forever. Out. But it's like, I've been going here forever. And then he watches the clip and he's like, <gasps> idea. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. Like maybe well, I would have liked to have seen like him going there and like slaving over the one clip. Like to did, actually did see you, him trying to do Did you want a montage? It. No, not even that, but I don't know. Just, it was so instant. And granted, you know, you're trying to cram a book into a two-hour movie. Yeah. I understand that they're going to cut corners, but I felt the corners that were cut, I didn't feel they were good enough. Like, I didn't, really didn't. Um, I thought any solution, not, I wouldn't say all solutions to problems came up as convenient, um, but when uh, Ben Mendelsohn's character, Sorrento, yeah. like, it's... It's showcasing his age and his uh, dis- detachment from this world. That he's got his goddamn password <laughs> on a post-it note, like right where he plays. Would log in, yeah. And you sh- and they show it. Camera's like, look at this. I'm like, wow, this character actually does that. And I'm like, this is going to be the easiest <laughs> thing for them to <laughs> like, use. That, yeah, this yeah. is the easiest thing for them to use. Which it does become that. Yeah. But I mean, that's. I work with people who have their passwords on sticky notes right. on their desk. I get it. And I get uh, also a lot of times, um, not a lot of times, but so in, in Steven Spielberg's work, especially when I would say maybe a target audience is a little more kid oriented, um, whoever the quote unquote bad guy is, is kind of a bumbling fool. Like he's never, he's never this maniacal evil person. Yeah. He's just a jerk. Like, and that's all he is. And that was, that was what this character was. And I can't, if that was the intention, they nailed it. So I'm not going to criticize that for anything. And I wasn't saying that I like I wanted to see this duality of this evil character because the duality was like he felt like he never got credit for anything because he was an intern. And we see a clip of him as an intern. And he looks the yeah. exact same age. <laughs> yeah. Well, they were saying the, the only thing he learned from them was what they liked How in their coffee. How he liked co- his coffee, coffee. yeah. yeah. I, re- I really enjoyed scenes um, between... Uh, Drawing blanks. Um, Simon, Simon Pegg's character, uh, Ogden Morrow, and um, Halliday, uh, yeah. the actor who played Halliday. I, I enjoyed all their scenes together. I really that was that was cool because they were the two of them really looked like they're like best friends. Yeah, that had a falling out. Like yeah. that was that I felt that was ac- accurately portrayed in a way that I would assume the writers and directors would have wanted this to come across. Yeah. Um, the whole like. Um, subplot slash like answer to a couple clues about the whole love interest of Halliday. Yeah. I, I didn't, not that I didn't buy it. I just, it was very quick for, uh, Artemis and Parzival to be like, Oh, he was actually in love with her. You know, it was like, it was one of those things where they go to, they go to look at these video clips and they see this clues. They see these clues. And the first time to us, it's the first time we're seeing the clue. Yeah. So we're associating with it the first time they're seeing the clue. Like, they're picking the clue up, like, really quickly. But they specifically call out, like, that we've been here, we've been through these videos, we've been watching all this stuff, we've been doing all this stuff. Right. With it, but without them having to, like, make us sit through them watching the videos a thousand yeah. times. No, 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 I, I get that. You, I was like, you were complaining earlier about, like, being told the same thing over and over and over. Yeah. Like, do you want them to just keep coming back, like, watching these videos, leave, do something? Well, to me, back. that's not even like, the same thing over and over again. That's, like, a struggle of them trying to solve something. And I'm not saying we see it every time they go there, but I'm seeing, like, maybe they go and watch the clip, 
and they're like, and they leave and going, what the hell? Like, or what the, you know, I can say fuck, we curse on this. Yeah. Like you say that and then they leave and then you get a trigger and then it happens, which did happen with the second clue when they were away from it. Yeah. And then um, Artemis slash Samantha um, slash the actress Olivia Cook was yeah. like, oh yeah, it's this. I was like, okay, this, that seemed more realistic to me. Um, as realistic as this world could have been when trying to figure out clues. Yeah. Um, I was I was going to say something, and oh, so going to you pointing out my complaint about people just saying the same thing over and over again. I really noticed it in the latter half of this movie when I think oh, a specific instance would be um, when they I think it was when they hacked uh, Sorrento's chair, and then after he realizes it's hacked and he gets out of that and he tells it to someone another character i can't remember the, uh what character it was oh and then, the, and then the he crazy like, like lady who goes out to kill people for him sure and then like i think a, i think like two minutes later he says the exact same thing to somebody else and we're like as an audience we're like we know <laughs> like we understand okay we know that they hacked it because we saw him hacked it yeah um which that was real quick by the way i was like I was like, oh, okay, because I knew they were going to obviously hack him at some point. I just didn't know when it would happen. So when they yeah. did hack him, it took me by surprise because I didn't know it was going to happen yeah. right then. Um, they had to condense it a so lot. Then when, yeah, so then when Sorrento says they hacked me out loud, you're like, okay, that's him realizing that he's been hacked. But then when he says it to another person, I'm like, we don't, that, nobody else needs to know in the world of this movie because the audience knows and we see his reaction to what's happening. But he tells them and that informs their motivations that he's then sending them out to go find them where they, was, they no, must be close. No, I got that. But we, what I'm saying, it's the same thing happens three times and we don't need that as an audience because we see the first instance and then we see the reaction. And then honestly, you could be, you could say Sorrento says it to anybody, somebody. And then the next scene can be the retaliation of like sending all the, the Sixers out. And you, your mind puts that together, you know? That was that was a lot of my issue. Is I felt like it was spoon feeding you the entire movie, and then every once in a while I would like not tell you something, and then maybe that was it. It was like spoon fed you everything, and then when it would not tell you something, uh, for me I was like, okay, what just happened? And then like two minutes later I figured it out. Like, like you know, not tell you like what? So the specific thing with me was oh when they did hack his chair, mm -hmm. like I was like I said I knew it was gonna happen. But that you. you didn't know as it was happening that it had happened. Right. I like I, like within the first five minutes, after the first five minutes, I was like, oh, okay, they they act this year. Because it was very like Oh, all of a sudden they're in it, his office. Like yeah, all, all it, and it wasn't even like they were gonna they said they were gonna go do this certain thing. It was just all of a sudden we cut away to Sorrento doing whatever and then his chair's been act. So anyway, that was my I don't know. I'm gonna start just railing on everything I didn't like about it which is probably why we have these podcasts anyways just a place for me to vent about things yeah um, well tell me why why you love this movie so much then well like I said I like everything doesn't need to be a masterpiece it doesn't need to be I didn't go to school for film so like I don't need everything to be uh, structured in a certain way I don't need it to follow a, a formula of how we should be told but details you, but you do. And but like, you do. Uh, it makes it so much better. <laughs> well, apparently it doesn't because I enjoyed this. But <laughs> uh, you'll never know how much you more you would have enjoyed it. If it had been done differently. Well, I mean, I will say that I enjoyed the book more 
but that's always going to be the case because they're able to, you know, parse things out a bit more and give you more details in the book than they ever will be in a movie. Uh, unless they just make the movies obscenely long. Um, but yeah, uh, I just, just, like I said, the, being very into pop culture, especially like the gaming references going back to like the Atari with the first Easter egg, which is a legit thing. Like, and that's exactly how you mm-hmm. find that Easter egg mm-hmm. in adventure. Yeah. Uh, because Atari would not let the creator actually put his name in there. Uh, their credits just would say like published by Atari or whatever. Oh, Atari didn't let them yeah. do that. Man, that's fucked up. So back in the day, like you never know who right. created the game. And so that's why he created this first thing. And that's the, yeah, the first Easter egg in a video game. Yeah. And like, that's a cool thing in nerd culture. That's cool. Um, and so like that, they stayed true to that and they had all these game references. They had anime references with Gundams and the bike from Akira. I got a small uh, chuckle out of the Holy Hand Grenade. The Holy Hand Grenade, I got yeah. a small chuckle out of that. I really wish it said Hallelujah before it blew yeah, up. Yeah, I guess that's what it does. Um, did you catch the Zemeckis cube? Yeah. Because Robert Zemeckis directed Back to the Future yes. and it rewound time. Yes. And, yeah. I understood. Yeah, I understood that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, so, like, I mean, there was definitely a lot of, like, oh, here's weapons from XYZ game and, you know, the DeLorean uh, and all the different clothing from the different uh, pop culture references that uh, they tried on at various times where... Like uh, Artemis was Goro at one point from Mortal Kombat, and the uh, Michael Jackson thriller suit that Parzival put on at one point when he was going on his date with Artemis. And so, like, nostalgia is a powerful thing for me. Like, I buy into it a lot. Uh, literally, literally buy you into buy. it with my money. I buy <laughs> into it, um, and I enjoy it. Uh, and so, I think that's partially where the fun of this came from is just like reliving that a bit and again as i mentioned like having read the book like i maybe connected things or like had more fun because i was also looking for where things were different and just had a a different relationship with that experience um but i did it was it was fun uh and i would i would watch it again uh especially to find the easter eggs in there you're gonna buy it it on 4k well yeah in in the special collector's edition Ooh, maybe it comes with a Zemeckis cube. Probably. <laughs> or its own goggles. Like, you end up or watching it. The, uh, the extra life token would be cool as just a thing in there mm-hmm. uh, that the curator that gave cool. on. I enjoyed that. That was that was a cool little, little slip in there. Because, you know, the moment the hero dies and the movie's not over, you're like, how's it going to get out of it? Yeah. And it's not really a spoiler because, like, you know, everything that happens in the movie, you, like, anticipate that is going to happen. There's with some regard- significance to yes, it. Yes, with, with, regarding, you know... Uh, like big plot turns and when the bad guys show up and when the good guys show up so you knew he was going to survive yeah but i thought that was cool that they had the quarter in there that was that was neat and one of the things i really wanted to see that they didn't do but they kind of did um, well, did they or didn't they they didn't to the same way um was when you got the keys in the book it, they were generally like a gaming challenge type thing or some kind of like obscure reference rush 2112 was a reference for one of the keys in the book mm-hmm. uh acerax the uh 
avatar of uh, James Halliday in the movie mm-hmm. is a, a lich from Dungeons and Dragons, and to get the first key, Parzival actually has to play and beat him in Joust on the Atari. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once you get the keys and you find the gates, because that was a whole separate part of the quest, was okay, you got the key, now you have to find where the gate is to then go through the gate and get your prize. And so... Um, when you found the gates, the gates were these like movie sequences where you were dropped into the movie or like Parzival was, like the main character was as the main character of that movie. And so you had to play the part of that character in the movie well enough for like the algorithm in the Oasis to validate that you like knew what you were doing. Um, and that was kind of cool. And so with the whole bit with The Shining, they... I thought maybe they were going to do that, but then that was just like, it was just a cool set piece uh, where they had a lot of the references from The Shining in there uh, to kind of drive that. And that was a cool, it had like the weird, uh, like old school film grain to it during those scenes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I just thought that, I thought that was a cool segment, but not to the effect that like the gates were during the challenge in the book. Um, and then like, they also kind of shied away from killing off characters because in the book, uh, Daito actually dies. That might've made the movie better. Um, and on, honestly, cause that would have been giving and, me some kind of emotional well, investment. That pays into the, plays into the villainy of, uh, Ben Mendelsohn's character, right. Sorrento, because yes, he killed, uh, Wade's aunt and blew up the stacks there but then he also like the high five they're starting to get you know more and more like closer to the goal and he's trying to slow them down so he actually has his guys go in break into Daito's apartment while he's in the oasis and they murder him Mm -hmm. Um, and so yeah Daito doesn't make it to the final showdown uh, and Shoto is actually his little brother or like their brother's because they've known each other for so long in the Oasis, they're not actually related. Right. Uh, but like they have a stronger relationship, I guess, than it seems like they do in the movie. Right. Okay, gotcha. Um, and so there's a lot more stuff kind of around that that makes it more interesting and makes the bad guys worse. The Irox guy is not a thing at all. Uh, so T.J. Miller's character, as far as I remember, was not involved in the book. Um, so you would not have... Seen him there, Taylor. Sorry, T.J. <laughs> Miller showed up, and you were excited. No, um, and so yes, yeah, so there was a lot, a lot of little things like that. But in the books, when uh, the stacks are blown up, Wade actually escapes and uses money that he got from finding the first key and the first gate uh, to buy an apartment under a fake name. Like, and in the books, he's like a chubby kid. Uh, like typical nerd kind of person that you would think of. Um, and he's been dissed by Artemis at this point too, a little bit. And so like he goes, buys this apartment and gets really into egg hunting gunters. Mm-hmm. They call them yeah. um, like shaves his head, starts working out, gets jacked, buys a full setup in the apartment and like panic rooms, his whole apartment Um and then goes on this quest, you know, to keep finding the, the keys. And at one point, part of his plan gets him captured by uh, IOI. 
and they like come in and they have to break through all his security systems and stuff. And so he actually is the one that gets kidnapped, not Samantha, okay. which is how it happens in the movie. And so like there's like differences like that that I was like waiting for, but I was like, wait, why is she getting captured? Um, and so you know it it was different, but I was still like like I said, part of the fun was also like figuring out where things were different and why they were different. And yeah. um, this desk is in the way, man. Uh, <laughs> this is probably about the tenth time I've hit yeah, my Mark knee keeps on the my desk. desk. He's that angry at me that I don't. Uh, like this movie. I'm about to flip this desk on him. No, I'm not that angry about it, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, like I said, it's just it's interesting to examine that nostalgia and that pop culture and the references and like the effect it had, and to think that it would affect someone's life so much that they become ultra successful, and then the way they like disseminate that back to people is to find people who are similarly minded in that way to kind of trace back those pop culture references, however obscure they may be. And so, like I said, I guess that's part of it for me was just more that that power of nostalgia uh, for some of these things uh, drives me. And I know gaming obviously does drive me more than it drives you as well. I, uh, I mean, I understand it. Like, I'm not going to say that, you know, it's inaccurate. <laughs> I think one of the so another thing that I thought was kind of just inconsequential was the whole was his aunt and uncle of the day, in a way. Like, we're exposed to kind of the abusive male figure in that household and that she comes to kind of his rescue, but then says, like, don't borrow my shit again. Yeah. And then he's like, okay, so he goes off to his van down by the river, and he's, like, doing his own thing, and then he gets the threat about they're going to get blowed up, and he's, like, running to save them, and they get blown up and I'd never felt attached to any of those people. And I never, I didn't feel like that he was sad about it. Cause he was like sad in that moment. And then it was moved on. And then even later in the movie refers to her as his mom's sister and not his aunt, which I thought was like, that seemed very specific to try and create distance. Yeah. I, I did notice that. And that was weird. And I think they didn't necessarily have a close relationship and obviously they, they yeah. portray it that way. Yeah. But it's still family. I understand that, but like... We don't have to care when, about him, the character did. When that's in the movie, though, like, I feel like this is something... You should care that he's trying to save these people that are his family. And maybe it was... Maybe and the aunt should have been more sympathetic. Like, the character of the aunt should have been more sympathetic, or for some reason, to try and create an attachment. But the whole unfolding of events of, okay, these aren't, like, the greatest people... And then they get blown up. And those are the two times we see them in the movie. Yeah. And we don't even see them that much. Yeah. Like, they could have been off, they could have been off screen for something. And it actually might have been more impactful if uh, Percival at some point goes on a monologue about how they murdered his family. Like, his whole family. And we're like, oh, man, that sucks. Yeah, but like, the rest yeah, of people that were left. I didn't, I didn't understand or didn't feel anything toward... Maybe I'm dead inside. Because this whole thing, well, I'm not feeling for any of these people in this movie. Partially dead inside, for sure. Oh, uh, every time I saw Simon Pegg, I was like, I want to see more Simon Pegg on the screen. <laughs> but that can be said about anything, really. Simon Pegg's great. Yeah. Um, oh, Lena Wife. It was nice to see Lena Wife just because I like her. That was the other thing, too. Simon Pegg's character was definitely more prevalent in the books, where during the last challenge for the key and everything, they actually go to Ogden Morrow's house 
And he has setups for VR that they all go in and are fighting the final battle, like in his house, being protected from IOI, right? Uh, by Ogden Morrow. Um, and that's actually in the book is the first time uh, Wade and Samantha ever meet face to face. Like they meet very early in the movie. Yeah. They did not meet till the very end of the book. Uh, but they still loved each other in the book. Oh yeah, dude, and Parsonal man or Wade, whatever you want to refer to him, he fell in love. Dude, fall fell hard. Well, they <laughs> like again, real they, quick in the book. They talk about it more and they flesh it out. And he mentions it a bit in there. He's like, he's like, oh yeah, like I I love your Twitch streams and your blogs. Like you're a great writer. Like. Like, I like the content that you make. And so she's very well known as a character in the Oasis. Right. Just based on her persona. Right. So, like, people know of her. She's, like, internet famous. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where those feelings started. And then once they actually start, like, hanging out and talking and they get each other's references and they kind of bond and click over that. Um, I get that. Team love, man. It's crazy. Um, But again, you're dead inside, so... Yeah, you know what? You're probably right. <laughs> um, was there anything else on my note, little notey thing that I had noted down? No, wasn't. Did you think about that after the fact and note them down? Yeah, I just, I don't like to. Because the only thing I take notes on on my phone, I'm not going to pull my phone out of the movie, middle of the movie theater. So. Good. I know. I used to, uh, maybe I didn't. But I wanted, I wanted to get actually uh, these pens that light up the tips so you can like write down stuff. Thought about maybe doing that, but I don't know. Yeah, it seems like a big old nerd thing to do, but yeah. that is something I would do. Yeah. Um, well you're a big old nerd. Yeah, you're right. Uh let's see. Anything uh I'm trying to think if I have anything else to say. I, I mean, you know, I hate I would just say I just like I love movie I like going to movies, I love movies, but there are gonna be movies that I don't particularly like and there's going to be movies that I love and this was one of those movies that just didn't really speak to me and like I said it's probably just because I'm not in the target demographic they are going for but um, I'll end on positive notes okay really pretty like all the visual effects were amazing um, well the done. way they integrated just the um what do I want to say? Like kind of the aesthetic user interface experience of when you're playing a video game and you're like going through skins or something. Yeah. And seeing that portrayed in kind of this, it's not real life, but in a more... Where they're like swiping through inventory, they yeah, pull like something was, out. I thought and... that was pretty neat. Um, I did enjoy that. Uh, some of the references, I was like... <laughs> Actually, the one I was most excited about was like, and also like deeply disturbed by from, I can't believe this was allowed to happen standpoint was like the whole shining scene at the overlook hotel i was like really yeah we're gonna this is what we're doing now <laughs> uh, all right was that in the book no not like when was that. the book written in the 80s no the book was written uh just several years ago oh okay for some reason I had a, it sounded like maybe i'm thinking of i'm probably thinking of another anyway i might edit out because i sound like a dickhead <laughs> maybe there's so many 80, 80s references I'm just like oh is this a thing no um, like I said it's just kind of like that's informed by the author and like his experiences right yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I gotcha um, yeah the whole Overlook Hotel I was like oh okay we're doing this that's that's neat 
Uh, I didn't think it was funny that. Excuse me, I did think it was funny that uh, H had not had never it, seen had it. never seen it, and that was like her downfalls, her character's <laughs> downfall within that scene. That was kind of funny. Um, another something weird, which maybe you can pick up on this for me, was this whole kind of mini subplot toward the very end, where the redhead girl in the lab like knows everything. Like in the Sixers lab, yeah, yeah. Like I know the, we never see her the entire movie, and then she's in the last thirty minutes and knows everything. And I think that's and she's a focus. Like yeah, the camera's like on in her. on her, and I'm like, yeah. well, who is this person? I think that's kind of like they're trying to. Well, there's probably multiple parts to it, but one of the criticisms that um, Ernest Klein had gotten was like the relationship between Wade and Samantha. Uh, where he was very stalkerish in the in the book a bit, and but it still worked out. Whatever. Hey, it's the internet. Yeah, and uh, so and then how kind of flat Samantha's character was, and so that's why they want. I guess they changed up like when they met, how they kind of interacted, and made it seem more even footed, where like their relationship actually was like going both ways, and then it's Pete Wentz. Yeah, goes, goes both, both ways. ways. And uh, so I think maybe they just wanted more female representation in there, especially for nerd culture. So they were like, we'll put this scientist in here who is being disregarded by her coworkers but knows what's going on. Well, if that's so, that is the most obvious uh, evidence of an afterthought. Like the most obvious example of an afterthought. Be like, oh, we don't have enough women in here. Let's write in this one woman toward the end of it. There's not in the book either. Well, I'm saying though, so if they're like, trying to fix that in the movie, they forget about it for 75 percent of the movie. Well, no, that's just they weren't showing that team of scientists really until that last part. Really, yeah, that's where you, they were focused you fo- on. Yeah, them. but you focus on like, okay, yeah, yeah, the fat dude with the beard. Like, yeah. okay, there's gonna be one of those. But like, they were so focused in on on this one girl though. Like, the camera goes in on her and she doesn't say a word. Like, she's thinking of something, and then we just cut to another scene. I'm like, okay. Who is this person? Like, is this like just Wade's sister? Like, who, what's going on here? And now it's just somebody that works there. Uh, well, was, all right. I did hear actually that um, Ernest Klein is working on a sequel to Ready Player One. Mm. Ready Player Two. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. Um, I don't know how that works. It's called Game Over. But maybe there's already a book called Game Over. Shut up. Um, but maybe that will get brought up in the book where it'll tie in more to the movie. As part of the sequel. I don't know. Uh, I guess time will tell. But yeah, I can't speak for if that's what really happened. But like, I know that was one of the complaints that a lot of people had with the book. uh, Was just kind of like how the women in the book were portrayed. It was definitely very like 80 male nerd fantasy. Yeah, definitely a fair amount of that. But we'll fix it one day. It'll be fixed one day. It wasn't with this movie. Not that that was my main takeaway from this, but I understand that. Um, I thought you were ending on a positive note. <laughs> okay, I'll end on a positive note. Uh, next week, Mark and I are trying real hard to review Isle of Dogs, uh, oh, Wes yeah. Anderson's new film. So we are very much looking forward to that. Hopefully we can. Also, I'll probably come uh, with a little bit of independent review uh, of my own of the new uh, documentary about Mr. Rogers called Won't You Be My Neighbor? I'm oh, going to go see that Saturday you morning. Get at- in the feels? Uh, yeah, Saturday morning at the uh, Full Frame Film Festival. That's a mouthful. Uh, in Durham, North Carolina, annual documentary film festival. 
it's huge. Um, so yeah, we're gonna go check that out. And um, Mark, uh, you got anything else to add? Are you ready to uh, tell the people? Oh, I know. Let's see. Did this kind of tie it into what I'm looking forward to? What are you looking forward to about next week? Well, first, we never did closing thought, or I never did my closing closing thoughts on Fine. on the say movie. Whatever, say what you want then. So. I think the movie was good. And uh, I think if you have the time, I would recommend the book over the movie. But if you just want something fun to watch, I would recommend this. And then, what I'm looking forward to... Because <laughs> uh, you already know my final Yeah, because Taylor's like, fuck this movie. <laughs> uh, I... What's this week? Uh, just I, yeah. First full week of April. Isle of Dogs. Because uh, it, it looks sweet. But like Wes Anderson's so weird <laughs> but like I enjoy his movies what's your favorite Wes Anderson movie <sighs> maybe Grand Budapest Hotel I need to go watch it again that's a good one uh, Royal Tenenbaums was good too yep those I, are the two that I have the most I haven't familiarity seen one, with yeah, and I haven't seen all of them and I haven't seen one that I didn't like Everybody's, everybody loves Moonrise Kingdom I thought it was good I thought Life Aquatic was a better movie but that's just that's just me um, That's Bill Murray. Right? He's in all of Wes Anderson. Oh well, yeah, I, the, <laughs> he's the, the cast, main character. The he's the main is the same in he's every Wes Anderson he's the main, movie. Yeah, pretty much. Same Jeff. with Isle of Dogs. I think they're all in there too. Jeff Goldblum's in there too. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Goldblum. Uh, okay, so um, all right. Well, Mark, where can the people find you after they're done listening to our lovely voices? After you're done listening to us here, you can check me out at uh, spiderscorner.com. Uh, with a Y. You know, Spider with a Y, as always. Uh, haven't posted a lot of blog stuff recently. I think the last thing was when we were launching this podcast. So I need to probably, get on that. Yeah, shit. I need to step up on that. Um, but it's partially because I haven't really been playing games. And most of the things that I would write up for the blog, I end up talking about on the podcast. Um, so I don't want to tell people the same thing multiple times, Taylor. Apparently people don't like that. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, but yeah and then uh, Spider's Corner uh, on Facebook Twitch and Instagram Taylor where can they find you after this <laughs> uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Tay D. Adams uh, once again thank you guys so much for listening to us checking out the podcast leaving us reviews all the good things um, if you got like recommendations for topics or movies we want to check out or even some snacks or if you want to mail us some snacks you guys can uh, send some information or anything like that uh, at us personally on our social media accounts, or you can actually email scrappedproductions at gmail.com with the subject line popcorn and nerds. Um, once again, thank you guys so much. Hit a subscribe if you like it, uh, and tell your friends if you like it too. Yeah, share and share alike. Uh, yeah, sharing is caring. Um, okay, well, that's about it. We'll see you guys uh, hopefully next week. Yep, take care.